What's up, everybody? Welcome to your latest episode of Nuclear Barbarians. It is I, Emmett, your nuclear barbarian, and I am here with a fellow barbarian, Phil Ord. What is up, my dude? How's it going? I'm great. Good to have you here. Yeah, people may know me as at Fission Phil on Twitter, and mm-hmm. I also run Americans for Nuclear Energy, which is another just online like advocacy group that's not nearly as well known as uh, Mothers for Nuclear or Generation Atomic or any of those, but we'll get there eventually. So Yeah, that's right. You will. So everybody, if you want to check out Phil's stuff, I'll probably say this at the end of the episode as well. You can head down to the show notes where you will find the link to his Twitter and to Americans for Nuclear Energy and all of that stuff. And I think, do you still have a podcast? I do. Yeah. It's called Climate Fix Podcast. And yeah. it's on Spotify and SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And it's by our, it's produced by our organization, Americans for Nuclear Energy. So check it awesome. out for sure. Awesome. And uh, I know a guest I've had on here, DJ LeClear, has also been over there. We love him. So we're building a nice little pro-nuclear community. And speaking of pro-nuclear, I wanted to know, I don't know anything about your background. Oh, no, um, that's fine. Yeah. And so I wanted to ask you about it. Like, how did you, and because there's always a story, right? Like nobody like casually becomes a nuclear energy advocate. So what's up? How did you get here? So I, through college, I decided I wanted to be a PhD medical researcher Mm -hmm. because I have a, you know, have a genetic illness called muscular dystrophy. And I started to realize that going through enough schooling to get a such a high degree, especially in science, would be very, very physically demanding and difficult. And I decided I was kind of depressed my last few years of college, and I needed I needed something to kind of get excited about. And mm. that's when I saw the movie Pandora's Promise on Netflix, and it kind of awakened something in me. I mean, I've always mm. been pro-nuclear. I thought nuclear stuff was cool. Back in middle school, I said I wanted to be a nuclear physicist. That's awesome. Um, So, but math is not my strong suit necessarily. That's why I only have a degree in biology, but I decided to, oh yeah, I was never against nuclear Mm -hmm. and I thought it was actually kind of cool. And I always thought nuclear power was, you know, a decent technology. I used to watch the Simpsons and I actually thought it was cool that Homer Simpson worked in a nuclear power plant. I thought (laughs) that was kind of neat. And I always had this, I remember learning like even before college, like how you could potentially make fuel with nuclear power Mm. to decarbonize all your cars and stuff. And I was fascinated by that. So it was always in the back of my head. And then my freshman year of college, I actually did a paper in my like intro to like it was a climate it was like a climate change not debate but class Mm -hmm. uh, to to talk about you know whether it's real or not and you know how we can do and what we can do to and i did a paper on nuclear power but i at the end of the paper i wrote it needs to be considered even though it may be extremely dangerous Mm. and once i saw pandora's promise i was just like not only is it not dangerous, it is the mm-hmm. safest. And yeah. it is the, it, it, if there was a solution Taylor made to solve the climate crisis, it's nuclear power, mm-hmm. bar none. I don't see any other, I, it just kind of, I realized I had been kind of misled even as a pro-nuclear guy mm-hmm. in thinking that nuclear power is just like a, you know, it's it's one step away from a nuclear disaster. Sure, yeah. You know, and I was like, so that's kind of where I came from. So then I started a Facebook group in 2014 called Americans for Nuclear Energy and then decided to make it into kind of a brand. Originally, mm. it was called Coloradans for Nuclear Energy because I'm from Colorado, but that's too small of a demographic. We need, <laughs> I needed a big, I needed a, a big net. So that's what I, that's how I kind of came to nuclear advocacy and I've been at this for a long time now. Yeah. And I've not only become a pro-nuclear, radically pro-nuclear, mm-hmm. it's 
just based on the evidence and the just facts about nuclear, it's it's become like a very I've almost become radicalized. And I don't want to say that in a bad way, but sure. in a in a way that's now very adamant. And now I treat any anti-nuclear sentiment the same way someone should treat someone that doesn't believe in evolution or climate change. So right. that's you know, I know that's a little bit political, but you know that's fine. Yeah. We've had we've had people from all over the spectrum on this podcast, and certainly on my other podcast, I talk to people from all over. So that's fine right. here. Yeah, I've also become, and I, and I know I get a lot of crap for this. I'm called a nuke bro. I'm mm -hmm. smeared a lot, but I, 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 I basically believe wind and solar are a scam, and I'm not mm -hmm. necessarily against renewable energy, but you know, it for it to be lifted up the way it has been and the amount of problems it's starting to cause, mm -hmm. I can't be for it anymore. Like, mm -hmm. you know, maybe a few places it makes sense, but this radical idea of we're going to get all of our energy from the weather needs to die. It just does. So mm -hmm. that's kind of where I'm at. So I, I mean, people, I, I, I do crap on wind and solar a lot, but it's because there's a lot, wrong with them that can be mm -hmm. crapped upon so yeah know. yeah it's warranted you would say yeah yeah and it's been the biggest the biggest detriment to getting to carbon any semblance of a carbon-free society which will be very very difficult and it's i don't know i just hear some stats like if we kept building the same way we did you know before the nrc and before three mile island we would have been carbon-free electricity by 2000, mm -hmm. easily. Mm -hmm. So, Right. There's also the thing about Nixon's plan for American energy independence, which was to build something like a thousand reactors by the time we got to like 1990 or something like that, that would have just totally leveled off emissions in the electricity sphere. You know, so there's a right. lot of stuff from that era that could it have been implemented because there were problems with the utility regime at the time and the hot water it had found itself in during the energy crisis. We'd be living in a much different world. Now, let me ask you this. You've been in this space longer than I have by years. So how have you seen it change from when you're launching your first Facebook pages till now when we're in the middle of a very frightening energy crisis? What I've noticed is the energy walks have hardly changed at all, but the hordes of internet people have dramatically increased. Like I, I've just seen, like if you go just go on Reddit memes, mm -hmm. like it's like every week there's some sort of nuclear meme and it yeah. gets lots of views. And I know memes aren't necessarily reality in it. And it's a certain aspect of the internet population that isn't representative of all society. But I do think it's starting to become like, like if you say something anti-nuclear on the internet somewhere, people will come and they will correct you. And yeah. I think that that's become, you know, more of the rule instead of the exception. And I think we saw this also with genetically modified organisms. There was, I remember when I was in college, I was, you know, I thought genetic engineering was cool because I sure yeah you genetics. were biologists yeah yeah and but I was like in like the sustainability committee and they were like against it I, I against GMOs like oh it's an untested product yada yada but it was like when was it, it was like 2015 or 2016 Neil deGrasse Tyson just basically said hey guys chill out you mm -hmm. know like. GMOs are based, like yeah. not not based, but they're not a big deal. Everything sure. you see in a supermarket is years and years of genetic modification, yeah, and even uh, organic stuff. Right, right, and uh, and then progressives kind of got the got the message, and mm -hmm. I think it is inappropriate to be anti-GMO now, and I've I've seen that. I've seen that aspect. I've. I've seen that happening a lot of, like, I remember Bernie Sanders, who's very popular, mm -hmm. was saying some stuff about GMO labeling, and he just gets wrecked in the comments by his own people, which is yeah. great. So, 
Sure. I'm starting to see that happen with nuclear. And what we need is we need some sort of politician or firebrand to just really dial it in. Like, sure. I'm still waiting for someone like AOC. And I'm not a fan of AOC. I, I don't know. I don't really like her brand of politics. And I don't mm-hmm. like some of her ideas. But I bet I could convince her with a group of my millennial, you know, n- nuke bros and nuke gals. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'd be convinced and she'd be like, yeah, we should definitely do nuclear, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like it just it's frustrating in that we just don't have like a someone that's really popular. Like. Being a nuke bro, like, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. Elon Musk is flirting. But mm-hmm. he also has vested interest in <laughs> yeah. trying to make solar work, which mm-hmm. good luck. Like, yeah, good, good luck, luck doing with that. that. Doing good, good luck with that on Mars. Sorry. Like, yeah, that's just not, it's not possible. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's interesting that you say that, you know, about the transition in GMOs. I mean, from everybody that I've talked to so far on the show that's been in this space for a while. You know, I've talked to like Meredith Angwin and Rod Adams. It's hard to be a nuclear advocate longer than they have, you know, just right. in terms of like a decades basis. But what do you think is accounting for this change? Because there, I see a few theories, right? It's just, it's simply that the 70s ideas are becoming outmoded. Some say it's the end of the cold because we didn't grow up with the Cold War, neither does Gen Z, that we don't feel as scared of it. And then there is sort of increasing concerns about climate change that have come to the fore as a concern. What do you think is responsible or most responsible for the shift towards pro-nuclear sentiment? So the internet is a mixed bag of what it provides society. And I think it can Mm -hmm. be very damaging to society. And Mm -hmm. I think an example of it being damaging is the way social media bubbles have caused radicalization everywhere in this country. I don't recognize this country as I would have recognized it in 2010. So I think the internet definitely has some issues, but it it also allows people to to seek out the truth, Mm. you know. Test ideas. Yeah, well, like, like that. And I mean, there's a lot of misinformation out there, but if you can sort through the misinformation, the internet is a very valuable tool. And I think a lot of people are just like, yeah, we've been lied to. Like the the anti-nuclear movement was one of the most successful like anti-science movements in history, I think. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, I agree. Yeah. And people are now just like listening to some of their arguments and their insanity. They're just like, you know, this reminds me of anti, you know, climate change denialism. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've seen people talk about that. They're just like, yeah, this you know, like, like my friend Ben Hurd, you know, from Australia, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he was like saying like, yeah, I, I started doing some more research on, you know, what nuclear power actually is. And the anti-arguments just smelled of denialism. So yeah. I think, I think that's a big thing. And then I also think climate change. And I think a lot of younger people are just like, this shit's real. How do we mm-hmm. fucking fix it? Instead of try to just talk about dismantling the system or whatever the hell you want to sure. say. Sure. I mean, I think I saw a clip of Ralph Nader the other day at the no nukes rally, I think, where he says, you know, we're going to stop these nuclear plants from being built. And then he makes this weird pivot in the next sentence where he talks about how like Exxon is afraid of solar because Exxon doesn't own the sun. And I mean, aside from the like naivete about how things are made, et cetera, et cetera, like the fact that you could get away with that elision, like what has Exxon ever had to do? with the siting or construction or the running of nuclear power ever in America, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Like, like Exxon Mobil doesn't own the uranium either. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know? so, and, 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 and uranium is, a, and people need to realize this, like, I mean, it's a tired argument, of course. Mm-hmm. And you know this, that there's not enough uranium. Uranium is so abundant, it's intrinsically worthless. Yeah. And uh, like, oh, you've seen this. Sorry, this is a little bit of a tangent. But you saw people like talking about how we're dependent on Russia for uranium or whatever, which is kind of true, but they don't understand that there's so much uranium everywhere that we could easily 
It doesn't have to be true. It doesn't have to be true at all. And yeah. even, even buying uranium right now, you can stockpile that last yourself decades to ride mm -hmm. out any major energy crisis. But, but yeah, the, I, yeah, I think people are slowly waking up to the, to the lies. And now I think like the, the, the amount of attributes nuclear has, that's so positive mm -hmm. cannot be ignored any longer. It just can't like, like yeah. the, the only thing that they have on us is some cost overruns and, you know, and utilities being shitty, like frankly, yeah, right, like yeah, which like is, like which happens like, with Vogel, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah like Vogel is an embarrassment, uh, but of course L Lazard and those assholes are like, oh, that's that's the cost of nuclear now. We just have to accept it. And like, no, shut up, it's not like, <laughs> yeah, like talk to China, like yeah, you know. And, and I hate that, and only an authoritarian regime is competent at 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 building out huge amounts of nuclear, like. Whatever happened to Western superiority? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that things like the neglect of the French nuclear fleet, the closing of Fessenheim, you know, all of this stuff is just really, really depressing to watch. I mean, so you and I have talked before about climate and your feelings on it. What is your view? Because even in the pro-nuclear space, there's disagreement about what type of emergency this is. I don't think there is anybody that I've met that is pro-nuclear and a denialist. It seems to be about degree and timeline. So where are you at and what's your thinking about it? Oh, that's such a hard one because to be fair, a lot of predictions have not been as extreme as some scientists have said, mm -hmm. but the trend is in that direction. And so what bothers me though, is it, it can't just keep getting hotter and hotter every year. Like if, if that keeps happening, like it, it, that needs to stop. Like, mm -hmm. and the more carbon dioxide we put in the air, the more it's going it, to, it, the more it's just going to happen for in perpetuity. So mm -hmm. that scares me a lot. And mm -hmm. so I am, I'm a climate alarmist. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm not saying we're all going to die tomorrow. Right, right. But I'm also a capitalist mm -hmm. with regulations. And I don't want to see what will happen if supply chains get just completely wrecked. Like, I, I want mm. to solve climate change to allow capitalism to keep going and do what it does. Because, and it's a fragile ecosystem to give us mm -hmm. the abundance that we have. So I just don't want to mess that up any longer. So, yeah, I'm, I'm under the impression of build as many nuclear power plants right now as fast as possible. Mm. Like this is mm -hmm. like, there's this book I read called Seven Eves. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about some cataclysm happens to the moon and little mm -hmm. pieces start hitting each other. And then it starts like producing little chunks and it's all going to rain down on earth in like six, 16 months. Mm. So they have to launch as much shit into space as they can to try to save humanity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, read the book and, they barely get it done. So, and, and it's like, like it's, it's go time now. We need to build now. Like we need to get started. We need, you know, I'm even under the, the idea of a wartime mobilization. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. Let's, let's do that. But we got to do it the right way. Like, like, and like, it could be done with nukes. It mm -hmm. can't be done with wind and solar. Like nuclear allows that wartime effort to be done. Cause it's, a specific thing we know how to do it we just need to stick to it and it's a sure thing like mm -hmm. to get rid of carbon emissions in the grid and that's just the start then what there's something that needs to work mm -hmm. in my opinion is creating synthetic fuels like mm -hmm. gotta find mm -hmm. a way to pull the carbon out of the water or the air to recycle it back into fuels again mm -hmm. because we are not going to have elect electric big rigs for a while you know, they're mm -hmm. working on it, but you know, like that level. Oh, and air, air travel, air travel sure. is not going to be battery powered anytime soon. Oh. If, if ever, because it's the combustion in the air just propels it so well. So, but, but the first thing we could do is electricity. Like we can, yeah. I like to call it, I like to say, I mean, someone's already said this before, but 
I like the word nuclearize, just mm -hmm. nuclearize all electricity. Mm -hmm. That's that's an easy thing to do. And when people say, oh, we need a mix or whatever, that's bullshit. I, I believe that. Like, mm -hmm. I just think nuclear is intrinsically a magic electricity box mm -hmm. that produces clean energy forever in perpetuity whenever you want it. And you can design a system to where you can load follow with it easily. It's not, right. it's not rocket science. So uh, yeah. I don't know where I'm going with that, but no, no, but no. I, 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 I'm, I'm a climate alarmist and I think we need to work on it now. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think, but, but, but right now I think the climate activists are completely diluted. Right. So is it, are they diluted about energy specifically because energy. they're so pro wind and solar? Yeah. So energy. your, your issue with them isn't like the, some of the broader claims about the urgency. It's about yeah. the solutions they put forward to handle that urgency. Right, right. Or or the kind of wokey crap about like like there is no justice without economic justice or whatever. I'm just like, I don't care what economic system we're in. I could give a shit. Like I really mm -hmm. could. We need to build the nuclear, no matter how you do it. Do it authoritarianism like China, that works in their system. Mm -hmm. How would it work here? You know, deregulate and you know, getting rid of the subsidies for the useless forms of power, you know, sure. stuff like that. But, you know, this idea that we're going to change the system, change it to what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, where are we, can you magically run an economy that doesn't produce carbon emissions? No, you can't. You, you, you have to, we can't just restructure everything and somehow the emissions will go away. We need to replace the emissions with the brute force of science. So, sure. I think that's a good point. I mean, so let me let me ask you this. On our side of things, the pro-nuclear side, there are those who think that they can broker a deal with the renewables people and those who are skeptical of that and those who are hostile to that. I think you and I are mostly in that third category. I think the first time I became aware of you was your tweet of, I will not kiss the ring of renewables, you know, or something yeah. like that. Dr. Chris Kiefer copied that from me. So I felt kind of proud. He yeah. gave me credit, but yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was great. So why don't you walk me through how you, because I know how I think about it and I sit around with my own thoughts all day. I want to know why you think that that deal can't be brokered. Which isn't to say that we can't convince yeah. people or whatever. That's not what I mean. But I think you know what I mean about the, why can't we all just get along type of thing? Right. I mean, I don't, it's just the more I've learned, the more I realize that wind and solar are a nuisance. They just are. Because um, mm -hmm. they just aren't reliable. They are not on demand when you need it. And, you know, they always say, and, and you hear the wonks talk about this, including people like Jesse Jenkins, who's supposed to be one of the foremost experts on mm -hmm. energy. He's just like, you know, he gets upset when people are just like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I know solar doesn't work when the sun goes down. They tell me something I don't know, but they don't have an answer to it. They're just like, there are all, you know, storage options that don't exist. They don't exist. So it's like, it's wind and solar, I think, were based upon an anti-energy lie to begin mm -hmm. with. Because they were, they were all nuclear in the 60s, right? Uh mm -hmm. But then they started saying, oh, we don't need nuclear and we can start replacing things with wind and solar. So it was, mm -hmm. it was, it was used as a way to say, no, 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 we don't need nuclear. We can just do it this way. Like it was a way to, I believe it was a way to kind of push towards the anti-nuclear argument. Be like, we just don't need it, you guys. You guys. So yeah, and, and, and I just think it's, it's based on bad, on bad science. It's based on emotion. Mm -hmm. It's based on the appeal to nature fallacy and it doesn't decarbonize it just mm -hmm. doesn't do it no country has ever decarbonized with wind and solar uh ever it's all nuclear and hydro all of it mostly and it's they have all the institutional support so i am basically hostile to them mm -hmm. because i think they are a false solution and i know they say that that nuclear is too but no legitimate false solution like 
it's not going to work. And and I think we the nuclear side of things needs aggressive, not aggressive, but needs the the amount of fervor people have for renewables. And 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 I think I am giving that to nuclear. Mm-hmm. And I I am a voice that's needed because it's just like oh let's get along and stuff. They're going to price us out of the energy system with the with the bogus, subsidies. Yeah, with the bogus you know, market systems we have for electricity mm-hmm. now that just choose for wind and solar and also government programs where it's, they, they make you do wind and solar by by fiat. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like the government is saying, this is the technology that works. And to be fair, you could say, I want to do that with nuclear, but, you know, I'm willing to play by the rules and get rid of all subsidies Mm-hmm. This sounds crazy, and just start taxing carbon, mm-hmm. deregulating nuclear a little bit because it needs it. Yeah, you know, definitely scary deregulation, but deregulation <laughs> doesn't mean that we're going to start like letting safety go downhill. Like that's just no. That in some cases, it's regulated to the point where it sort of interferes with safety because it overcomplicates the the systems. You know, they're right, less right. clear because of constantly adjusting regulatory frameworks, you know? Right. So I'm, I'm totally there with you on that. But I, um, I do get the argument of, of you know, n- why not work with them mm-hmm. to, to get more of those people on my side? Like kind of like once they may not be pro-nuclear yet, but once they do, they, they will start seeing that it's the, it's the answer. Uh, you know, so you might as well not be against it, say, work together. Mm-hmm. But I, I just don't think by its nature or, or the history of renewables, it's here to work together with nuclear. It wants to replace all baseload generation. And that's just not going to yeah. work. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely true. So, like, what what do you see going in our favor, if anything, right now? Right. Like what's given you a little bit of hope about this, if anything? Well, the I think people are starting to get tired of fuel disruptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, nuclear doesn't have that problem because it's so energy dense. You can store so much fuel sure. that it's, you know, I think people are getting tired of the swings of fossil fuels, depending on the political, you know, note of the day, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like, Russia has really shown that, yeah, you rely on us for fossil fuels, we will mess up the world. Like, mm-hmm. like the European Union is now bankrolling the Russian invasion, basically, with their energy. And I think people are like, okay, energy independence is a thing, and maybe we shouldn't base our entire economy on fossil fuels that can become scarce at a moment's notice, especially gas. Uh, mm-hmm. So... I, I think I think that that's pushing people to be pro-nuclear because I think people are waking up to the fact that nuclear is reliable and its fuel is so dense that scarcity is not not a problem. Mm-hmm. So, like again, it's one of the only energy sources where, sure, it relies on a fuel, but that fuel is infinite and worthless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, not I- worthless, but it's. It's the small. It's it's a very small part of running a nuclear power plant, which is, which is amazing. It's amazing yeah. that it's such a small amount of right. the cost. So, yeah, that that is amazing. I mean, we're seeing that right now in Japan, right? Like they're restarting, I think nine of the reactors by this winter, with a full like twenty something coming on coming back online next year. And I think they've even committed themselves, or at least provisionally doing research on what it would mean for them to build out a few more. Yeah, yeah, well, Japan had the foresight. I mean, they freaked out. I can understand government freak out, but mm-hmm. it was a bad policy decision to shut down those plants mm-hmm. after Fukushima. You know, no, why would you just shut them all down? Yeah, do some extra, like in places where a tsunami could happen again, make sure it won't happen again. Yeah, like, keep them the running. Higher. Yeah, yeah, keep them running until you, you can fix that. But they had the foresight to not destroy because they didn't have a, I don't think that they have a huge anti-nuclear culture 
like this same way the Germans do. You know, like there, there are some anti-nuclear sentiment. There was, I think the former prime, prime minister was kind of not too happy on nukes. Mm. No, no, no. Sorry, that's South Korea. Yeah, that's South Korea. I think she was was pretty, pretty down. Right. But I right. mean, yeah, but they kept they they kept them going, and they don't have like an ideological like crusade against them necessarily, uh, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell. Yeah. And they kept them they kept them able to run so they could turn them back on again, which is good because now they have to. They have to. Yeah, they have to keep. They them. have to. They don't. I mean, they don't have their resource poor island. Yeah, you know they don't have a lot of other options, so. especially with imports getting so high. I mean, I think what's really frightening right now is the German situation, only because, uh, or I shouldn't say only, but to me, primarily because they are the economic powerhouse of Europe, and they have so thoroughly screwed themselves and the rest of Europe over. It is. You know, every once in a while, something happens where you're like, wow, I'm living through something that will be in a history book. And mm-hmm. the Energiewende will redound through history as a consummate policy fa- failure on like every level. Yeah. Like you see the, is it year ahead electricity prices? Yeah. Frightening. frightening. And you're like, and you're like, they're going to have to shut down fertilizer plants. And that's, that's another reason why I don't think we should be using gas for energy because you mm-hmm. need to use gas to make fertilizer, at least right now. Eventually, we could probably do a different process that doesn't mm-hmm. use natural gas to make the nitrogen fertilizer. But fertilizer, you do not mess with. No. That's the, you know, like people say, oh, we can do different farming techniques. Immediately write those people off because they're going to get us all killed. Yeah. Because yeah. fertilizer is needed for the way we do agriculture today. Agriculture is industrial. Sorry. You're just gonna have to deal with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, and food and, shortages are right. are really really frightening. I mean, I was just right. writing today for the newsletter this morning. I think that'll come out tomorrow. One of the Norwegian, the I think the second biggest fertilizer producer in the world, the Yara plant in Norway, is slashing its production to something like thirty five percent for ammonia. And they're not the only yeah. ones, you know, there's been some other in other parts of Europe and in the UK, people have just been totally shutting down their plants, you know, or curbing their ammonia output. I mean, this is sort of, I don't even think we're really in the energy crisis. I think the energy crisis comes next year when the food crisis <laughs> is abundantly clear. Yeah, part of me kind of, I hopefully America is more insulated from that than Europe because we do have a lot of food grown here and we do have energy policies that aren't completely fucked like sure yeah other countries so but yeah it's serious stuff high electricity prices like this are i mean they can grind your economy to a halt they think covid's bad mm-hmm. try expensive electricity like yeah. it's just, it's, and people are wondering like why prices for things are so high. Well, it's because energy prices are so high because mm-hmm. everything else runs on energy. Like that mm-hmm. is the fuel of all other parts of the economy. I mean, everyone, I mean, the people we, we talk to know all this, but uh, sure. the, yeah. And like, you know, and the thing about electricity scarcity is it affects the most vulnerable. And mm-hmm. I don't want to be the guy that's like using my issues as a, sounding board for why we should go nuclear. But I have muscular dystrophy. I have breathing machines. I'm going to need eventually permanent breathing machines in the future, depending on how bad my illness gets. And electricity is it's going to keep me alive. And mm-hmm. if I don't have it and I don't have a have the breathing machines I need, I can easily get an infection or suffocate. So sure. yeah. it's 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 not something we can really afford to mess around with. And I also get pissed off that people are just like, oh, we need microgrids are going to be a thing and they're going to be more reliable. <laughs> I'm like, no, a microgrid means your shit turns off all the time. That's what yeah. a microgrid means. And it's like, yeah. it, it, it's fundamentally incompatible with the life of the most vulnerable people. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, mm-hmm. 
And that's what a lot of the climate activists don't get because they also say, oh, let's just turn off all fossil fuel right now. You do that, half a billion people, I mean, billions of people will die in like a matter of months. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, I think one of the things that is is hard to, I'm glad you brought up fertilizer and that you were like, we're just going to have to use fossil fuels for that, for the foreseeable future. It's not going to say we're not going to have other things we can do, you know, later on, right? But I think people just don't understand how deeply fossil dependent our economy is, you know, and what it means to make fossil fuels incredibly expensive, right? Like this is sort of the paradox that we have to walk through, you know, which is how do we do right by the planet, right by ourselves and walk through this realistically, you know, because the immediate effects of totally cutting off fossil fuels is like more nightmarish than anything in the extreme IPCC (laughs) cases, you know? Right, right. Well, and and that's the same reason why, I don't know, like what we need is is a leader that has the balls to say, hey guys, getting rid of fossil fuels overnight would be a disaster. Unfortunately, we have to use it until we find the alternatives. And it has to be, the alternatives have to be affordable. That's the only way, which is why I'm, I promote a carbon fee at extraction and then a dividend. I think that's the most equal way mm-hmm. to, to send a market signal to get off fossil fuels as fast as, as fast and as cheaply as possible. Mm. But it will make electricity costs go up. But the reason why I like it is because it doesn't start like a lot all at once. It starts low and then slowly gets higher. It kind of mm-hmm. ratcheted up, but expensive electricity is, is a problem. I mean, it, it, it is a problem and, you know, you got to, you have to do it at just the right rate. Otherwise you could, you know, really hurt your economy to where it can't recover. So, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, and then there's, I say cheap electricity matters, but now, now there's this, this bullshit going around that when it's solar now the cheapest form of electricity you can buy. And I don't know how we freaking beat that lie because oh i have a way i've thought about it well like because i mean it's just so ingrained with people and yeah they just use lcoe in a way that's irresponsible mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know and the problem is that sometimes it's so cheap it's worthless at yeah at given times like when there's you know at peak sun at, at peak solar they have to basically pay people to take it away from them and be like Sure, it's cheap, but it's also completely worthless. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of like the way, I mean, I think Mark Nelson said that it's sort of like, it is just correct that tents are cheaper than houses. Yeah. Right. But it's obvious like what the trade-offs are when you're comparing a tent to a house. And I would take it one step further and say that, you know, tents turns out have not been an adequate housing solution for the city of San Francisco. Right. You know? <laughs> and like what street crime and stuff is to San Francisco, wind and solar are to the grid. Right. You know, They're, it makes everything yeah. else worse. Right. And and renewables rely on, you know, a whole array of backup that they yeah. just don't take into account. Like they only exist. Yeah, the hidden costs backup. Yeah. So I don't know. We need to find a better way to to come up with cost of electricity because Lazard's LCOE. I'm just tired of them being people that that are deciding everything for everyone right now. You know, because it's like yeah, it's it's infuriating. I think you're right that we need to do this. I mean, I know that my buddy Isaac Orr over at Center of the American Experiment. He's been on the podcast before. He's working on a levelized cost of intermittency. Okay. Um, so I'll be very excited when that comes out to see how it does and what we can say about it. But you're absolutely right. What else do you think is a shortcoming in our game right now? Where else do you think that the pro-nuclear scene could stand to improve in its talking points? I mean, I'm just talking about the main things that people, the last anti-nuclear talking points, because right now fears about radiation and safety, they've lost. They've lost. The only thing that they have left now 
is cost, you know, the LCOE cost yeah. and how fast we can build these things. Mm-hmm. And we just need to start insisting on historical data and just like, oh, look at how expensive it is. Be like, no, not in the past. Not in the past, mm-hmm. it wasn't. And then when people are just like, well, it's just expensive now and that's that. Be like, no, are, are you being a quitter? I mean, are are you just being okay? <laughs> are you being okay with incompetence? Are you being okay with sure. with waste in, 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 in major infrastructure projects? I, I'm like, you know, that's like, don't, yeah, just to say that's that is just a complete, like, low, small dick energy. Like, <laughs> well, know. I also, I also think that there, we have to do something that, you know, one of the things that frustrates me is I, I've seen people say on the pro-nuclear side that we don't need to do, we don't need to educate the public on the merits of nuclear because they find it condescending or whatever. I, first of all, I don't think that's true. I think there are poor ways that are condescending to try to educate people about nuclear. But the reason you need to do that is because people don't really know a lot about energy in general, right? Right. It's not specific to nuclear that people don't totally understand what's going on through no fault of their own. It is not that they are incapable of putting it together. Do you you know know what was really good at teaching people about it? The Atomic Energy Commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, fr- my my good friend was telling me like yeah the AEC had like this 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 bus that they would send to cities and just educate people about nuclear. And then once the NRC started, that that went away. And we need we need an impartial education about nuclear power because a lot of people just don't know about it. Like I go to climate rallies and I ask kids, "Hey, do you guys know about nuclear?" They're just like. I think I've heard about it. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. That's like, pathetic. do we even do that anymore? That's yeah. pathetic. Like, yeah. like you could, all you need to do is show a young kid a, a reactor pulse mm-hmm. on the internet. And they'd be like, what is that Iron Man shit? I want yeah. it. <laughs> it's like, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. You know, I think, you know, if the industry gave a shit about itself, it could do a little bit more you know, in terms of even just keeping their visitor centers open and stuff like that. Um, But it would be great to see. I mean, this is why people like Isabel are exciting because they talk to so many people that would otherwise be out of reach by any of us, you know, not just because of how big her platform is, but because of the extraordinary amount of young women that she speaks to. You know, I think that that is, that is really important. You right, because because the the amount of acceptance in nuclear among women is so out of whack to men. Yeah, and it's like it's kind of weird. And yeah, like I I think you know I think in the past nuclear was because it's just an older like nineteen sixties esque kind of vibe to it. And back then it was like not very. Oh, it's a sausage yeah, fest. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like that's just how it was. So, yeah. so you know, it's 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 good, and especially like people like Mothers for Nuclear. Like, yeah. what, what an amazing, yeah, yeah, what an amazing like slogan mm-hmm. because they're flipping the script and saying, no, not nuclear is not only scary and not only not scary and not a risk to our future. It it damn well will protect your children in the future. So yeah, which totally. is which is good, but the, and, and then we see nuclear communicators like Isabel and our friend DJ, mm-hmm. DJ LeClear, the rad guy. Yeah, uh, the rad he, guy glows, he has a baby. lot. Yeah. He has a lot of views on TikTok and that's where all the kids are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not that it's kind of said that TikTok has to be what educates people on nuclear, but yeah, we, we need to to do a better job teaching about it scientifically literately because text textbooks and stuff in schools are still teaching an ant, almost an anti-nuclear bent to it. Like it's mm-hmm. yeah. Like, like that is nuclear illiteracy is a big problem mm-hmm. because I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it's, I think it's worse scientifically 
scientific illiteracy than climate change, in my yeah. opinion. Oh yeah, so. there's way more, there's way just even in, more intuitive understanding of how climate change works than there is right. about how enter, any part of our energy system works. And, exactly. and a lot of that has to do with the fact that our education system doesn't do a good job of communicating that. Also, especially when we look at the grid, how the grid has become incredibly overcomplicated to where the experts don't even seem to fully have a, a solid account of what's happening within it. And I also think that, you know, the money has gone towards the legacy environmental organizations that became the cultural avant-garde in the 60s and 70s and then became the policy avant-garde in the 80s, mm -hmm. 90s and early 2000s. And, you know, and, and, and they kind of claimed that scientific consensus too. Yep. Uh, yeah. When, when no, nothing about being anti-nuclear is scientific. It is, it is, it is completely. Well, it preys like, on that like, ignorance. Like, like fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. It preys yeah. on that ignorance. You know, that's, you know, it is a politics masquerading as a science, you know, right. and I think that that is one of the bigger challenges we face. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how long they can maintain credibility after this winter. You know, I think that they're, yeah. I think Europe is going to have a harder and more immediate backlash against the green elements, you know, except for maybe in like Finland where they're very pro-nuclear and stuff like that. But that's a, an exception, not the rule, you know. Right. What'll be interesting to see, because French nuclear is, having kind of an, an annoying lull right now. I mean, you'll have the- Oh, it's fucked up. They screwed yeah, up. Like, they screwed yeah, up. Like you have the people now saying like, oh, and they say nuclear energy is reliable. But they're like, still even more reliable than wind and solar even- Yeah, like nationally, winter. wind has a 35% capacity factor and solar's nationally in America is 24.5%. Yeah. So even nuclear on- when it's having a bad day is still better than when it's solar on a good day. Uh, but yeah, France messed up because aren't they like, aren't they basically all under like, they scheduled the repairs all at once when they shouldn't have, when they, they needed did to all sorts of shit. Them? I yeah. think Mark Nelson has just done an episode of decouple okay. on what happened. I think I saw him tweet it today. Maybe it's from before. I'm way behind on everybody's podcasts yeah. always. It's um, saturated for sure. Podcast. Yeah, totally. But so I think, you know, I'll put that in the show notes too, everybody. Go check yeah. that out because Mark would know way better than either of us about what happened over there. So yeah. before- well, well, Oh, sorry. Ahead. I said just to finish that thought. Though it'll be interesting to see because I think the French nuclear will be back up and running by winter, hopefully. Yeah. And, and, and it'll just go to show that that, I mean, that's going to be like a very valuable thing. And you know what I'm trying to say? Like, that'll be very, it'll be a yeah, very valuable thing to see. It'll be clear where the value is. Yes. You know, it'll yes. be clear where the value is, especially yeah. whatever happens in Germany, you know, mm -hmm. like whether Germany keeps its plants alive or not, the point will be made. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've already done so much damage by axing so many of their nuclear power plants, like the last three is going to help a little, but not as much as if they just didn't shut them down after Fukushima. Yeah, no, absolutely. So before I let you go, because we're coming up on an hour here, what, what have you been reading? Recently, I reread Power to Save the World. I, I was going to read, I started to read Rally Partonin's book, forget the, the new one, but it, it was like very complicated economics, even though it was still basic <laughs> that I didn't, yeah. I was kind of like, at some point I kept reading and I was just like rereading. I'm just like, I'm not cleaning any more information. This is too complex for me, <laughs> but I, that one was good. I think it's called, uh, what was it called? I can't remember. <laughs> it came out fairly recently, right? Yeah. Yeah. What else have I been reading? I should be reading more, but I, I, I do just spent a lot of time reading articles on social media. Sure, uh, sure. So, but li listening to podcasts and stuff, you know, and just following communicators on, on social media. And I know that's kind of a lazy way to do things, but that's a lot where I get all my information. But, uh, oh, and I have a book on my, just on my, like a, on my audio books called, mm -hmm. I think it's called Grand Transitions. Mm -hmm. it's, by, it's by Vaclav Smil. So I'm going to 
I'm going to read oh, that. Oh, yeah. Because so, uh, he's he's very good at like giving like sound truths on energy mm-hmm. issues. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he's very yeah. dispassionate. You know, it's just like, this is the deal. Take it or leave it. You right. know, which so. I which I respect. So that's awesome. I, I hadn't heard of that one. I mean, he's written so many books, so I'll have to add that. So, Phil, thanks so much for joining me. This was a blast, man. I hope we get to do it again. Yep, for sure. All right. To all of you out there, stay sharp, stay strong, stay barbaric. We will see you next time.